We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Euro Incision Podcast. I'm guessing you're sick to your back teeth of my voice, but it is International Week and we have to just talk about the football and on this podcast, I am delighted to have a very, very special guest. I mean, I want to bring you some insight into Benfica. So who better than somebody who has their loyalties split and conflicting? And you know who I'm talking about. It's a guy that needs no introduction, but he's going to get one of the same. It's Marco Lopez. Marco, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nina. Great to be on the show as always. It's absolutely wonderful having you on, Marco. Marco, you know what? First things first, I'm going to have to go there. So it's a Friday. It's the Champions League draw. You have two two, two, two teams in there. I mean, I've I got to get your reaction. It's a unique, it's, it must be a unique feeling because obviously I've never experienced it. So you've got to tell me about this. Yeah, so I'm sitting there at work. I'm not able to follow the draw live. But all of a sudden, um, all the my phone blows up. And because obviously people are sort of uh, sending things to me. And I know that then that means there's only one reason. There can only be one reason. They got drawn against each other, uh, which sucks for me. Uh, my first reaction was absolute disappointment and like, no, I didn't want this draw. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll come up more in some of the details as we discuss it. But <clears throat> very simply, um, this is like choosing between my kids. Yeah. Uh, I have I've split affections for these teams. Um it's it's a bit of a weird story, but but long and the long and the short of it is, uh, for those who don't know, I'm Portuguese. So Portuguese descent, living in South Africa, and then basically what happens is, for some strange reason, I don't pick up much interest in in any sports early on, right, as a kid. But that doesn't stop my dad from absolutely just sort of throwing out Benfica this, Benfica that, Benfica mm-hmm. everything at every at every turn. And and to the point, uh, I just need to put some context here. I'm I'm talking about a scenario where you know, this I grew up in a, in a home where Benfica on TV was basically a rarity. Yeah. Uh, if you got lucky, you, you managed to sort of uh, somehow hack a signal to watch. Uh, often uh, games would be followed in, in some corner radio and, you know, the men would be sitting uh, gathered around that radio with beer and waiting and hearing about, you know, whatever, whatever else is happening. I didn't see the appeal because, you know, I couldn't see anything. 
And <clears throat> the weird thing is that, so obviously the, the, the memory of Benfica being in my family sort of stuck around. Now, later on in my teens, I picked up football. But the reason I picked up football is because of this little other red team, little sarcasm, is this <laughs> other red team who just, you know, took in my heart. And effectively, because the English Premier League got so much coverage around you, it was very, very easy to follow it. And it was very, very easy yeah. to just all of a sudden sort of, sort of pick up this affection for Liverpool. And, and Liverpool very much introduced me to what, uh, you know, sort of my, my obsession with football as it, uh, as it is now. So in a strange way, Liverpool was the bridge to helping me then finally get a chance to sort of appreciate Benfica because in later years when, uh, thank you internet, uh, for being able to actually finally watch Benfica, uh, on, on a slightly more regular basis, I got taken in by the mystique. The same kind of mystique, which I think I, I know in English, um, it's not the same word that's applied, uh, but in Portuguese it's mística, and effectively I think it's that mystique that I, I relate the two the same way. So the same way that Liverpool has a certain aura and mystique about it, it's the same thing as Benfica. And I think you know it's just it it it, it depends on the community you surround yourself in, you know, uh, if if that makes sense. So in my family mm-hmm. it's always been that. Uh, the other thing is I think this is quite relevant. Um, in the same way that you know you sort of create this identity sort of uh, uh, following a team around around sort of who they are you also create an identity around who they're not so i always just suddenly discovered people would naturally judge or create a lot of uh, preconceptions about me because i supported liverpool and guess what they supported man united mm-hmm. the exact same thing happened in the benfica shirt and that's why um last funny story but you know when when my kids were born um, I, I, I sort of gave them very simple instructions. I don't care who you support, but if you support Porto United, you might as well walk out. So it's, <laughs> it's that kind of, it's that kind of, and that's why I say, when this draw happened. Best I, parenting I, 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 advice, I, by the way, best parenting advice. I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah, agreed. So yeah, yeah I, I just, I mean, and by the way, it's not to say that I have a, in a I hold much affection for City, Chelsea, or uh, Sporting either, right? But, mm. But yeah, I mean, this, I, I, I know it makes sense on paper. Um, a lot of people would have said, uh, uh, if Liverpool went the easiest route to this, uh, to the final or the semi-final, uh, was Benfica the weakest team on paper in, uh, out of the eight? Yes, they were. I'm not going to be objectively stupid about that, but. Uh, yeah, my heart sank. I didn't. I didn't want this. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, before I did this pod, I was having a little chit chat with my niece, and she's like, "What are you doing now?" She pretends to pay an interest in the work I do. So I was like, "Oh, I'm doing another podcast because I've already recorded with the Miss about the reaction to the draw." And I was like, "Oh, I'm going to speak to one of our contributors, you know, um, Marco. Um, he's he's Portuguese, you know. He's he's a Benfica, you know. He's raised as a Benfica sport, and obviously sports Liverpool as well." And I'm going to, it's going to be really interesting to get his insight. He's going to give me some intel on, on Benfica. You know, people want to hear this. And she turned around, she goes, wow, he's so lucky because he, you know, like, he, he, you know, like, he, he won't be sad either way. And then I stopped talking about, but he won't be happy as well. Like, what do you do? <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, I, I think, look. The, 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 the weird thing about, the weird thing about these, these two teams sort of entering this, this draw is that if, as, as you'll discover shortly, as, as I'll describe it, Benfica have not had a good season and they've yes. not actually had a very good sort of five year period. Uh, there's a lot of nonsense happening in the club right now. So, so this, this result was an absolute surprise. Um, Benfica Twitter 
it is a thing. Mm -hmm. And Benfica Twitter was absolutely stunned, delighted, um, uh, sort of with the with the Ajax victory because, for all intents and purposes, even though um, on paper Ajax are you know you, you can make arguments about who's the stronger team on paper, you can make arguments about the strength of the Eredivisie versus the Premier Liga. Uh, but but Ajax absolutely played Benfica off the park in in in, yes, in Amsterdam. Did. Yes, they did. Yeah. And you know it was it was a total smash and grab. The <clears throat> whereas if you look now, obviously with Liverpool, I mean, I I I'm, I'm not trying to sort of tempt fate too much, but there is something fairly historic that could happen, and you you kind of sort of look at the situation and say, um, do you really want either of these stories to end? Uh, obviously. I'm I'm wearing I'm trying not to wear both hats now. I'm sort of almost trying to apply myself as a neutral in that game because uh, either way I'm I'm not going to. So it's it's I think it's the only time this this year where I'm going to sit down, watch a two matches of football, and say I'm not pulling for either team in this match because either way I'm going to I, I'm more likely to be upset than happy <laughs> if that makes sense until the semis and then you know whoever's obviously got past yeah. uh, then all all normal things happen again. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, Marco, you kind of obviously, myself included, I don't know an awful lot of Benfica. And, you know, um, the last time we played them in the Champions League, which I can vaguely remember, was Simao traumatising me. So, um, obviously, that was a long time ago. Um, talk to me about the five years. I mean, like, what what is happening? They're not in a good place domestically. I think they're currently third, you know, with a big, you know, but they've absolutely surprised so many people. And of course, you know, surprising people in the group stages as well, you know, finishing second, beating Barcelona, you know, only losing two games to uh, Bayern Munich. So talk to me about, you know, where they are right now. What, what are the issues? Is it financial? Is it board? What, what is going on there? So <laughs> I, I, I just want to sort of paint this picture with a little bit of context. I think, I think when Benfica has been led to believe, or at least a lot of the fans in there have been led to believe about that there's very significant financial issues that persist in the club. And for a long time, there's sort of been this very, I, th I think it depends on which Benfica fans you speak to. Okay. Uh, one of the Benfica podcasts, which I highly recommend, uh, literally called at Benfica podcast on Twitter. Um, they, those guys probably share my cynicism a bit, but effectively, when you look at what they've sold in the last five years, I'm just going to run up some names. Some of these names. Oh, you know, can I just interrupt you about this podcast? Is it in English? It is in English. Wonderful. English. Wonderful. Yes. Uh, a, 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 a bunch of great American guys uh, who do this across the pond. They're absolutely fantastic. So, but but just to sort of put some context here, and I mean, the, the list of names I'm going to read out here are not are not by any means exhaustive. There's a lot more players that Benfica have sold. But you, you, you think about this list, you think about some of the record prices that have been paid for them, and you ask yourself, why are there financial problems? Jean-Felix, Bernard Silva, John Cancelo, Ruben Diaz, mm. Jan Oblak, Edison, Renato Sanchez, Luka Jovic, Raul Jimenez, Nelson Semedo, Victor Lindelof. That, that's a handful of them. And, mm. wow. I mean, a, a lot of them fetch big prices. Jean-Felix is, I think, in the top five of all transfer uh, fees uh, received. Uh, all these sales don't seem to have sort of addressed the debt. Now, in in the same way that there's been a lot of departures, the the players that are coming in have not been anything like the same quality. You're not you're not uh, if you think about so, so sort of that that list of names that I read out, there's a certain here in quality that's been able to get Benfica to a few more group stages consistently in court and round of 16 matches and quarterfinals consistently. Uh, that's not been happening recently. There's been a lot of players that they've spent a lot of money on that, 
you know, they, they either have too much hype and they fail, like Raul the, the, the Thomas, who uh, was a couple of uh, years back. Rafa Silva, who's in the team right now, uh, came in with a lot of hype. Uh, he's just lacked the quality to become a world beater, so he's not necessarily someone who's kicked on and, and become sort of world class. You've got players who have talent but have sort of inherent issues. Uh, Julian Weigel, also current player in the team, comes to mind. Uh, you've also got a lot of players who are once great, but you know they're they're very much at the end of their careers. So uh, everyone's been picking on Otamendi and Vertonghen in, in in the in the current squad. The reality is they they're perfectly functional for Portugal's league. I'm not sure about the Champions League, but but there you go. But then you get a lot more failed transfers. I mean, a lot of money that um, wasn't uh, wasn't spent too well. You look at how they've they've currently been s- sort of missing out on Europe. Uh, Last the, uh, and also the, the 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 sort of lack of success. Their last trophy was the Portuguese Super Cup in uh, 2019. Their last proper title was the league in 2019. Last season they finished low, third place. It's their lowest league finish since 2009. Uh, that also gives you a sense of the Portuguese league in fairness. Um, round of 32 of of, of the Europa League um, in 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 that season, runners up in semi-finalists in in, in recent cup competitions. They had a massive COVID crisis last season, halfway through through that, which at the time was very significant. A lot of people blamed it on K. That's why last season didn't work out. But as as this season has progressed, a lot of people just sort of saw that that was uh, that excuse had had much less uh, sort of fear, uh, sort of weight. Mm-hmm. But off the field, well. <laughs> So you have all these concerns about squad investment, right? And I'm just want to try and sort of play back a a a a, a few years. In the last five years, uh, Benfica have marched three coaches out of their out of their uh, bench: uh, Rui Vitória, Bruno Lage, who's currently at Wolves, mm-hmm. and Jorge Jesus, right? Uh, Jorge Jesus uh, recently left on the 20th of December. He's uh, the current caretaker is uh, Nelson Veríssimo. Uh, you've got this controversy with this, with the, with the current, still the current name president in a sense. Um, Vieira, uh, Luis Felipe Vieira was effectively, he, he was re-elected in a very controversial election back in October 2020. Uh, what he did, a lot of people felt to win that election, he spent lots of money all of a sudden, uh, in the beginning of that season, brought in some players, brought back Jorge Azuz as a bit of like a, a prodigal son because of his previous, um, success in, in, in coaching. Uh, but then everything went insane. Uh, July 2021, uh, Vieira gets arrested. He's accused of aggravated fraud, tax evasion, money laundering. Oh, gosh. He's suspended, having, uh, ha- with the evidence having found that he's filled his own pockets with, uh, uh, additional commissions on many Benfica transfers, uh, 55 and counting. Uh, Rui Costa then gets placed, the Rui Costa, by the way, then gets placed controversially into the role, um, and, if uh, for those who understand their Portuguese, would would have heard him uh, very choice uh, words being spoken about some of his decisions in press conferences since uh, he's not he's not popular anymore, which is quite sad in a way for his footballing legacy. Uh, probably the thing that most irritates me because I always come back to the football, right? The reason those three coaches got the sack is identical. The players mutinied on those coaches and they all got them the sack. And the one that I'm most angry about is Bruno Lage, because I think the Bruno Lage, if you look at his his tenure when he took over Rui Vitória, uh, I mean, in a half season, he takes Benfica from a very undefensible position to winning the league uh, well ahead of Porto, even manages to register an insane 10-0 record victory over Nacional. It was, it was absolute magic. Um, so, so, so something's very, very, very strange. And that's why, I like, again, to put in the context, I, I fully accept people you know, can sort of look at uh, the Portuguese league with their criticism. 
I, I, Porto and Sporting are not better because not winning because they're significantly better. They're just winning because they're making way less mistakes and not shooting themselves in the foot the way Benfica have. So when you when you look at this context around Benfica in the last few years, what you're seeing uh, before we talk about the current season anyway, but what what this club has allowed itself to do is completely capitulate, uh, and then all this other off-field stuff it has to have an effect. It has to you know create concerns about the financial structures, about uh, who's running the club, um, the clicks in the in the locker room, etc. It's 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 not a good place. I have to admit. No, it does sound absolute chaos, and you know I'm just trying to just it just seems that like everything's just doesn't seem cool and I think that's what makes it even more remarkable that they've made it this far and you know you, you were speaking about Bruno Large there and a coach that you know kind of upset you that got marched out and things and I guess you know I'm speaking to you now not only as a Benfica sporter but maybe as a local sporter as well uh, I'm you know it must be quite reassuring to know that things are actually going quite right for Liverpool because can you imagine if they were in that hot mess as well like they were a few seasons ago and you know to do you know like I'd, I don't know how you'd cope, Marco. I'd be sending you care packages every week. Like, yeah. you, you know, it would be awful. I think, I think, look, um, not to make this a sudden uh, FSG debate, but that's why, you know, when people, for example, ask me about the sort of the FSG, you know, out debate and which side I'm, I'm in, I'm on that. I'm just a lot more liberal and a lot more accepting of sort of the context of where they're at. I'm, I'm very willing to throw at FSG that, they they're still far more reluctant to pull the trigger on 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 investment than I like, and I think that, that that we can show evidence where that is objectively true in terms of gross spend, especially compared to uh, uh, the edits we're trying to beat to win the league this season. But if you're honestly going to try and tell me that Liverpool is not an incredibly well-run football club by comparison mm-hmm. to, so I mean the last ten years of chalk and cheese to what uh, I'm old enough to remember uh, Martin Broughton. Uh, somehow trying to convince us that, you know, pulling in um, uh, Roy Hodgson was was sort of the right sort of interim step, uh, uh, and then obviously presiding over the sale to FSG, Roy, Roy eventually gets sacked, and Kenny Dalglish comes in to sort of try and uh, set things on on the right course. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are dark. Those are dark days. Um, yeah. Not to mention, obviously, before that with Hicks and Gillette in terms of how they were uh, just completely not uh, not not looking at Liverpool in in, in the right way at all. So I think even even though Liverpool, thank God, has never been sort of at uh, at the tendency of this this sort of crap behaviour that I described with Benfica, the and by the by crap I mean obviously the president, not Benfica the club, by the way, but it's just it's so blimmin' reassuring that you see just sort of how long Liverpool have sort of taken to implement this really stable structured model. It could be a lot worse, um, and 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 I need to stress uh, sort of so whenever people. Uh, look at the current Liverpool team and, you know, there may be a few less trophies you'd want to a few less wins you'd want to a few less players you'd want. Crack, it could be so much worse. Um, we can, we can sort of can appreciate quite a lot how, how Liverpool have, have improved. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, you was, again, today I, I recorded a podcast with my excellent co-host, Emma Themis. And you know what? I love a bit of trivia. And, um, you know, and it's good to be educated. And he told me about the Gutman curse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Gutman. And, and it's, it's funny you speak about that curse. Uh, for those who don't know, Bella Gutman was a Benfica coach, uh, highly heralded from the sixties. Damn. I hope I don't get this date wrong. 
Uh, it's quite important because um, effectively what uh, what happened is um, his departure was from the club was was unfortunately fairly. Yeah, it, it 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 wasn't in the best of terms, and effectively, Bella Gutman placed a curse on Benfica that they would not win a European trophy of any kind for for 50 years. Uh, sadly, if you look at Benfica's track record in finals, it's proved to be correct, very mm. correct. Um, and uh, I think uh, we're very close to the expiry of said curse, but uh, but it's it's something which uh, Benfica's obviously felt very very plagued by. Um, but yeah, um, it's uh, it's it's a fascinating piece of trivia, albeit a very depressing one for Benfica. Yeah, I know. I was like, wow. You know, when he like, um, you know, it's good to be educated. When he told me about that, I was like, I need to ask Marco about this. You know, let, you know, like, and is it something that fans still talk about till this day? Yes, it's uh, which was it, 2013 against Chelsea in the Europa League. And mm. keep in mind, the, the Europa League for Benfica is a big deal, right? Because you yeah. can't. You know, with the with the financial structures, and, and I always have to remind people, but Benfica may, you know, in, in in terms of global fan support, in terms of sort of global brand recognition, it's a huge club. It's an absolutely huge club. You you got to speak about, it's it's a one, it's a beautiful coincidence. Benfica and Ajax were drawn together because it it spoke to the a lot of the history both clubs have, you know, across the world in terms of the the fans they reach. But in financial terms, clubs like Swansea City have more money than Benfica. And it's a horrible, insulting thing for me to think yeah, about, but it's just true. So when Benfica go into the Europa League, they take it very, very seriously. I know Liverpool fans don't, uh, uh, strictly speaking, but that's okay because I think Liverpool objectively should be aiming for the Champions League every year because they obviously can win it. Um, anyway, Benfica were in the final against Chelsea 2013. Uh, Benfica were leading, if I recall correctly, 1-0 of uh, Oscar Cardozo penalty, if I'm not mistaken. And then two very late goals from Torres and Ivanovic, and that was it. That was very, very depressing. <laughs> awful, absolutely awful, and you know even more awful because of the team that won it as well. Um, yes. You know, yeah, you know, it just, it just, you know, more salt into that wound. Marco, I mean, we we are talking about. Let's get back to current day now, and obviously Benfica have made the quarterfinals, and I know obviously it's not. You know, we're sat here and you have to educate us because I'm going to be real with you. You know, it's, I don't watch Benfica. The only times that I will watch Benfica is like the highlights on the Champions League and things. So I guess what we want to ask is, I know it sounds awful and you might feel like a double agent or a spy. Um, but you know, talk to us about, you know, that their style of play, you know, like what are their strengths? You know, like how, what's their formation? What's their system? Okay. Let's uh, uh, maybe just if, if if I can also just give some context to the current season as well, because mm -hmm. one of the things you also got to keep in mind, uh, the team's approach has been a little bit sort of indecisive and erratic. Beginning of the season, they start that they started under George Uh George was sacked at the 28th of December because uh, effectively the players mutinied on him. So the caretaker Nelson Verissimo has come in. Nelson's a bit odd. Um, I think he's made two significant choices. The first one is he's he's chosen to abandon the 3-4-3 George Azouz had implemented at the beginning of the season. Uh, keeping in mind that George had done that because uh, the, the centre-back has not been spoken about enough is Lucas Verissimo, who uh, Brazilian centre-back that uh, Benfica got from Santos, if I recall correctly. Uh, fantastic player, was playing absolutely superbly well. Um, 
got a ruptured cruciate ligament injury, which obviously knocks him out for the rest of the season. And and I think that's why a lot of people weren't necessarily noticing any of the age deficiencies in Vertonghen and, and Otamendi uh, next to him mm-hmm. in particular. Now, Verissimo was chosen to to sort of go more to a sort of four four two type of config, but that's that's not necessarily yielded the kind of results that um, people wanted. And I think the one also the other the other biggest challenge is he decided to implement this at a time where January is a critical period for Benfica because uh, within the space of a month they've been dumped out of the uh, uh, the Portuguese Cup by Porto in Verissimo's very first game as caretaker. Um, that that was a three 0 loss, lovely. Um, another three 0 loss in the league from the same team, so that's out of the title race probably. And then they lose the uh, league cup final to Sporting at, at the end of January. So by by the end of January, you're effectively Benfica's pretty much out of out of the running of all three teams. Um, the only sort of possible shining light is the Champions League, where Jesus managed to pull off a good result against PSV to to get them to the group stage. Uh, yes, it's a weak Barca. It's certainly not the Barca that smacked Real Madrid 4-0 the, this weekend at the El Clasico. But you can only beat who's in front of you. So, Absolutely. Uh, 100%. So, so the fact that Benfica actually managed to sort of pull that off is fantastic. They were very, they were very shown up against Bayern, which um, Nagelsmann's comments against uh, afterwards against Benfica makes me feel that, you know, it was, in a strange way, Nina, I'm very happy about the semi-final draw because I kind of feel like even though I make no sense with what I'm about to say, if Benfica was to beat Liverpool, um, it would be a nice attempt for revenge, even though I think that's very unlikely. But if Liverpool get to the semi-final, they better damn well embarrass Bayern for me. Um, anyways. Just smack them up for you, don't worry about it. <laughs> and obviously for Liverpool's benefit, of course. Yeah. Now, now, more importantly, I think, you know, the, the, this this 4-4-2 that uh, Verissimo has been implementing mm-hmm. has taken has been a lot more effective, say, in the last few months, um, last few weeks, sorry. So you're seeing effectively a nine-game unbeaten winning streak that does include the two Ajax games. Uh, unbeaten uh, uh, unbeaten streak, sorry, not an unbeaten mm-hmm. winning streak. Um, but it's it's a little bit sort of, again, it's, it's a bit of a lucky packet because this is the weird thing about Benfica. You, they go into a Premier League, into a Premier League game and they're... They're they're pretty much the Barca, the Bayern, the Liverpool. They are expected to the, the teams will park the bus against Benfica, and then they'll be having to sort of adapt that very sort of attrition kind of style of play. Uh, and if you look at some of the players that they have, a lot of those players don't always, do prefer to play a lot more in the counter, play out of space. Ironically, not dissimilar to another red team we we both support. Oh, okay. But when it comes to when it comes to the Champions League, that's been different. Um, Against Ajax, both both ties. Benfica's Benfica's I think sole moment of coming out of themselves and, and really trying to be a little bit more aggressive, as opposed to sort of almost looking like they're parking the bus and smashing and grabbing, is in that second half at uh, at home, which is to me that's actually where the tie was won because Ajax showed up in Portugal, they took a two 0 lead, they went to sleep. Benfica got the two goals back. That's where Ajax lost the tie. It wasn't one 0 at home in in, yeah. in the middle. But Benfica, are very, it, it, it's a very sort of odd team to try and judge stylistically. They love counter-attack football. They're a very combative team in defense. Uh, the midfield's very soft, in my view. You've got a lot of players who love speed, love to run at people. Darwin Nunes loves to run at people. Rafa Silva loves to run at people. Uh, 
there's they're all fairly decent passes. I wouldn't say it's the most creative team in the world. So it's stylistically it's not it's 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 certainly one of the more average Benfica sides I've had the displeasure of watching compared to recent years when 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 I've seen the sort of in 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 the, in the mid to 2010s. Yeah. So so that that hopefully gives you a sense of what they of what they like to of how they like to uh, play. So um, uh, I've got some uh, Discord questions here, and there's one that you kind of ties up nicely to what you've just said there. You never walk alone, foodie. Here with a question: What are the key strengths and weaknesses of this Benfica team? You kind of said the midfield is a bit. Oh, the midfield's a bit soft. The midfield's yeah. a bit soft. I mean, so so let's let's dive a bit into it, right? So in there you have got Julian Weigel. Julian Weigel is. It's strange when when he was signed by uh, from Dortmund. I thought you know this was a very interesting coup almost for a Portuguese team because you don't normally see it that way around. Um, what, I'm, as an example, ironically, one of Weigel's ex-teammates, Axel Witzel, uh, made a very big impression in Benfica about a decade ago. Um, I was very sad to see him go because he, mm. he, was, he was super special, still is really. Um, Weigel, I think Weigel unfortunately... Um, and, and, and Dave Hendrick mentioned it in his, uh, one of his previous sort of roundups. Uh, it, it, it's pretty much as that. You know, this is someone who had a lot of promise. A lot of people speaking to, speaking of him as, uh, as another metronome. And he, and he still very much is metronomic in the way that a Busquets, Sergio Busquets would be. But he's not as convincing defensively as one might think. I don't, he's not an especially effective tackler. He's not an especially, you know, dominant defensive midfielder. Um, yeah, he's 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 functional, Nina, and, and that's probably the best compliment I can say. He has been the most consistent part of the midfield, though. Uh, but I think it's also probably because there's very few other people who can sort of really uh, dominate in his position. And, and Benfica have tried a few players uh, before him who, who who weren't weren't successful. You've then got a bit of a, a, a revolving door around three other players. So you've got Maite, who's a, a, a a French, uh, a French midfielder who's, I have to be honest, in, in, in his signing, I'm still trying to figure out what he does in the sense that he's not a defensive midfielder. He's not especially creative. Um, he's just sort of, again, someone who sort of is there and ticks things over. I don't, he's not the kind of person you sort of look at, uh, picking out a, pati- a particular pass. He's, he's, he's sort of a big unit, so he's quite athletic, but, but I think beyond that, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say he's um, uh, he's someone Liverpool have to fear. Jean Mario, who would be no stranger to anyone who's watched the uh, Inter, if I recall, and uh, and West Ham, um, he's definitely on the latter part of his career in terms of sort of his his skills and abilities. Don't uh, don't uh, won't put the fear of God into anybody. Had some recent absences because of COVID, but again, not especially creative, not especially defensively helpful. Um, I think one of the things you'll find with the, the way Nelson Verissimo coaches this team is uh, a lot of the a lot of the brilliance in in what you see Benfica produce is very much about the players and has nothing to do with the tactics. So um, and and it's very true of the midfield as well, if that makes sense. And then you get this <laughs> this this player who who you know you, you sort of you you want him to succeed because you've seen him waste his career, and that's Adelta Rapt. Uh, Delta Rapt, yes. uh, insanely skillful. You, you, he's shown shades of it in Portugal. Um, he did a lot to sort of get his career back on track. Um, you know, try to get himself back into some physical shape. He also looks like a big unit now. But mm-hmm. 
it's just it, it's again it's, it's it's a lucky package. You never know what you're going to get. Um, I, I do. Maybe it's the bias just because I love attacking players, and and then Benfica has so few of them. Um, he's got he, he he does show the propensity to to be able to give out a pass or you know run with the ball. None of these midfielders, with the exception of Therapt, really give you the sense that they can beat a man on 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 the ball. Um, um, all that happens in wide positions uh, with players like Rafa and Everton and, and Darwin Nunes. But but the midfield, it's not. And that's why I say it's 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 a very soft it's a very soft team. Um, in, in, in a soft touch in that midfield. So I think it's the kind of situation where, you know, if I'm Jurgen Klopp and maybe mm. the first leg I'm, I'm, I'm testing it out, but I wouldn't be surprised if by, by come Anfield time, Klopp says, you know what? Curtis Jones, Oxlade Chamberlain, Navigator, you three can handle this pretty easily. Um, or even Harvey Elliott as opposed to Kater. Go do it. And I think they do it because it's just, there's there's an element of 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 soft touch about that midfield unfortunately it's a, it's a part of the Benfica team I'm I'm, I'm least uh, uh, pleased about. Gosh, um, and you know we watched football long enough to kind of know that you know you kind of do need a bit of a solid midfield. But you did say something there that you know it's more it's more about individual brilliance rather than you know, um, a setup or, or tactics and, and formation. So that's going to be really interesting. So basically, what you're saying is Liverpool just be on your guard because they can literally just do something insane at any moment. Yeah, yeah. It, it depends on the players, right? So I wouldn't, the, 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 I, I don't think you, you need to fear the midfield for that kind of thing. Um, and I'm okay. hoping not like speaking anything into existence. Again, that's just purely for the Liverpool benefit. Yes. But if, if something insane happens, it's, I, I think it comes from three players. The first and obvious place is Darwin Nunez, who, uh, I think especially with Luis Diaz now wearing Liverpool colors, I think he's now the best player in Portugal, pretty much. He's the current, uh, top scorer in the league. Yep. He's easily the best player in Benfica and, You've got, I mean, this is someone who is tall, strong, he's fast, he's got great feet, he's combative, um, he's, he's got that, uh, uh, that Luis Diaz never say die type of attitude as well. Um, and I think, you know, given, given how disappointing he was last season, he's become uber confident. I think what's been interesting about him, he's managed to perform again, uh, under both managers. He hasn't scored any hat tricks yet under Verissimo, but uh, that should give you a, a a a a sense of the of the criteria, Nina, because I'm just yeah. judging him by hat tricks now. Um, he's been able to serve as a strength threat from both the counter, which I think is where he 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 likes to play. So, for example, you know, go look at the goal he scores against Barcelona as as an example of the kind of goal he loves to score. Mm-hmm. Uh, he scored many goals like that, but he's also dangerous from set pieces. So, and again, to to, to the point, obviously. Yeah. Uh, um, the goal against Ajax. So he's and and I think what's interesting about him is he's very he's very good at finding half spaces. So if if there's a vulnerability because he's a, he he likes to linger on the left, he likes to linger in the half spaces. This is someone who, you know, if 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 I'm worried about anything as a Liverpool fan, I'm saying okay, Trent, Matip, Fabinho, Henderson, etc. Just be mindful of where this guy is because he's probably gonna sort of be be occupying uh, the three of you. The other two players I'd worry about, but maybe it's it's again it's a bit of a lucky pack. It depends on what on on what you expect. Mm. So Rafael Silva, Rafael Silva is 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 an unusual one because so he's got something that um, you can't teach, which is speed. Uh, he's got insane foot speed. Uh, the goal that he scored against Estoril this weekend will give people some indication, even though 
I think everyone will look at that and say, oh, better defenders around him would stop him, which which is probably true. Um, he's got 15 assists. That's not only the highest in Benfica, it's the highest in the league. Uh, he's, but what's ironic is, when you consider that in, 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 in the average league game, Benfica are playing against teams you typically sit back and park a bus. Yeah. He's really, he's, he's a lot more effective than against those teams, which is weird. Whereas, um, against any, any opponent, opponent of, of, of serious strength. So your Portos, your Spartans, your Bayerns, etc. He, Ajax, he was terrible against Ajax. He was absolutely anonymous against Ajax. So I think, I think what's, what's surprising to me there is if I'm looking at, you know, something that should worry uh, you know, if, if, if there's someone who can, in fact, match Robertson or Trent in a foot race or can run at Matib and, and, and uh, have him asking questions, Rafa Silva is that guy, but he hasn't seemed to necessarily perform that. He's got it in his locker. The other one I think that's the most interesting, maybe, and maybe someone that uh, Liverpool might just want to pay attention to only because of how Liverpool systemically work on that right-hand side. So I think a lot's got to be looked at of how... Whoever's playing on the right hand of that midfield handles uh, uh, Alex Grimaldo. So this is a he, he's been a solid left back. He's he is a bit of a lucky packet. Um, but I think what's been interesting is that the way he's synced up with Darwin Nunes, in particular on the left hand side, has been very useful. Uh, has hasn't had as many assists this season as one would like, but you can see that he's he's a lot more sort of an attack minded fullback than. Than a defending one, even though against Ajax he was absolutely massive in that in, in the latter department. Uh, definitely one of the veterans of the team, and I, I just think what's interesting is it's not he he's got the capabilities. He's not slow. I think he's someone who's going to be looking to go forward. And if 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 there's a propensity for Liverpool systemically to suddenly forget about what's happening on that side of the field, yeah, you could find a situation where. Grimaldo puts in a good pass for someone like Darwin Nunez uh, and vice versa. This is like quite interesting, right? Because you've you've literally just taken Steve Pizza's um uh, Steve Pizza from Discord. He literally just asked which players is Marco most excited about? And I didn't even have to ask you, so there you go, Steve Pizza. There's your question answered. <laughs> I mean, so obviously they've got some players and you know, um I think uh what I want to ask you now is, how do Liverpool set up? I mean, how, in terms of defence, you, you spoke about set pieces and threats. So yeah. I'm thinking now, whilst you're talking, how do Liverpool, I know, I know you, you say that Liverpool are the better team, and I think a lot of people are saying that on paper as well with Liverpool's form and everything. So I'm thinking, who would be best suited as a centre-back pairing? I mean, Virgil van Dijk is there. We know he's good in an aerial sense. We also, I've been really, really impressed with Ibrahima Konate, and I don't know if it might be his time in this game. I think, I think whichever, whoever's chosen, uh, I think would be perfectly suited to, 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 to deal with what, what happens. Because I think a lot of this for me, Nina, I, I feel is about the supply into Doran Nunes rather than mm-hmm. Doran Nunes himself. Because yeah, you've got to cut his supply off, aren't you, basically? 100%. So, so I think, yeah. I think you know, uh, st- I, I, and if I'm Liverpool, um, given, and this, this is going to hurt to say, but I'm just going to say it. If I'm Liverpool, given the, the, the sort of quality difference, you want to wrap this up in the first leg. You want to wrap this up in the first leg as much as possible because uh, inherently, I think the one thing I don't think Benfica have had to deal with 
is an Anfield crowd. And that, I think, is going to be a massive, massive, massive difference. Uh, with all due respect to what happened in Amsterdam, that, that, that doesn't happen in Liverpool for me because I just don't think the Liverpool fans allow that to, to come across. Uh, so I think the, the, the more Liverpool rock up in Portugal and just sort of, uh, mind you, I'm just double checking. We are playing in Portugal first, correct? Yes, yes, we are. Yes, yes. okay, yeah. So, yes. so the more, the more Liverpool take advantage of that first leg, the way, uh, uh the way that should, should line up, uh, should happen. Now, I think, I think from a, from a defensive setup perspective, uh, Kanata can handle what's there. You also got to keep in mind that typically what happens is, and it's, it's been interesting just sort of the last couple of games. So Darwin Nunes will typically play off someone like Roman Jaramchuk or Gonzalo Ramos. Gonzalo Ramos, young, sort of latest academy prospect. I wouldn't say he's especially special, but he's, it's been interesting to see him sort of play recently. He's been able to get some some good goals uh, off the, or sort of feeding off the back of uh, of his teammates. But I, he hasn't really been sort of p- particularly impressive against higher quality opposition, so I wouldn't necessarily be scared. Yoramchuk, I think it's it's interesting. He's tall. He's deceptively quicker than 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 his than his size sort of uh, uh, indicates. But he's not especially dominant in the air, and I think I think in that respect that sort of shows in in his goal record as well. He's not massively prolific, so I don't think this is a situation like you'd have to worry about the likes of a, a Kanate or, or a Matip. Uh, and definitely not Virgil van Dijk having to to sort of deal with these guys. In fact, I'd even go as far as to say what might be an interesting thing for Liverpool to test out. Um, Vlako Dimas, the, the Benfica goalkeeper, he's definitely having a better season than last. Um, he's a good shot stopper, uh, 100%. But this is, and, and he's got fair, fair distribution, but I think his weakness is in the air. So to the extent that you've got, you know, the, the, this, this is, this for me is prime for a, a, a great, a, a deep cross from Trent, uh, testing out, you know, sort of Sadio Mane heading down or even, uh, mm-hmm. Virgil van Dijk, uh, Joel Matip from, from a corner. Uh, I think I think that's a definite weakness for Liverpool to exploit. Ah, well, thank you for that. And in terms of, um, so we could definitely definitely attack them on set pieces. And in terms of where we could potentially win this game, I mean, like obviously you watch both teams. So um, from what you've told me, I think um, the 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 big thing here is going to be um, the midfield, in my opinion. Um, obviously, Liverpool have a very very good strong midfield now, so. I'm I'm guessing would players like the likes of like Thiago and Fabinho just completely just marshal and just you know snuff out any kind of threat, even though that midfield is non-existent. Hundred percent. The for me the the one thing you want to avoid is giving Darren Nunes the one on one or one on two kind of scenario where because that. That's much harder to predict, and I think uh, you, if Benfica's got a sort of a, a game plan sort of mapped out, I, I've, I would be shocked if Benfica decides to sort of go to total Liverpool. I wouldn't recommend it because I think it is pretty obvious who would win. Uh, Benfica would would logically try and do sort of do a smash and grab and, and win by attrition, and try and defend. To their credit, it worked against Ajax. To their credit, it worked. But I think you know for obvious reasons, Liverpool are going to attack very very differently to to Ajax now. Uh, if if Benfica want to sort of hit on the counter, you you've kind of got to look at protecting the out ball that tends to come from people like uh, Grimaldo, people like from Julian Weigel, uh, Jean Mario, and I just don't believe that um, that's that's something that Liverpool won't have the quality to to already sort of snuff out. 
Once Darwin Nunes is in a foot race, it's a little bit harder to predict. Uh, I have to admit. But, but, but other than that, I think there's just, I don't know, Yaramchuk in a one on one versus, uh, Allison. I know who I'm picking. Uh, the same thing for Gonzalo Ramush. The only player I'd be wary of is, is Nunes in that, in yeah. that situation. And I think he's kind of like, been the highlight of what people have been talking about as well, you know, in terms of a Benfica and, and their Champions League sort of run. And, you know, it's quite fitting that he, he got the winning goal, I'd, I'd say. And in terms of their defence and our attack, I mean, how do you see that one going? I mean, and does, um, I'm assuming Diaz will have a part to play in this. And how has Diaz's history been? Um, I know you probably don't want to kind of relive those moments of him in a Porto <laughs> shirt, but like, how has he fared against that defence? And, you know, if he's like, I mean, please share some insight. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's weird because, uh, well, first of all, I just need to sort of remind myself now because uh, there's been so many Portugals against Benfica. I'm trying to remember the specifically these Diaz ones. That's how many I have to wade through. Oh. Anyway, um, but but I think I think what's interesting is, you know, Benfica do have this unfortunate tendency to allow themselves to just sort of start dropping back and dropping back and dropping back and, and 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 before you know it you've sort of afforded way too much space uh to to the opposition. And I think what's interesting about the Liverpool front line, that for me is one of the key and obvious things to exploit. Uh Vlakodimus is a good shot stopper, but testing him from distance by all means is 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 a good idea. Uh equally I I just don't believe that the Benfica midfield's that equipped to pick up all the nuances of well, this is where Thiago decided to pass. This is where Henderson decided to position himself. Here's Luis Diaz running at uh, Gilberto, who Gilberto is Gilberto is one of those right backs who you kind of love because he gives you work ethic, he gives you work rate. He's 100. percent He's just not of a great standard. It's just it is what it is. So Luis Diaz running at him scares me. Um, if uh, if I'm honest, uh, equally Sadio Mane, right? Because obviously Sadio could also play in that role. Uh, I think I think in the middle it's a little bit different because, to, to his credit, Otamendi, you know, Otamendi obviously is 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 past his best. But what's been interesting about him coming into this team, he's he's very much sort of taken over the mantle the the the, the, the mantle of leader has earned the captain's armband as a, as a result because he's just been far more combative, far more never said that. I love these South Americans; they're all the same. So effectively, um, <laughs> you know, he's 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 just kind of done that. So even though you know, you've got the inherent obvious weaknesses. No, he's not as quick. Uh, yes, I think you know people like Virgil Van Dijk will beat him in the air, but um, he's he, he's gonna he's gonna leave he's gonna leave something behind. So uh, I think I think Otamendi's one to avoid, but I don't think I don't think he's a he's a quantity that uh, uh, he, he is is he gonna stay with uh, a quick clever movement from a Diogo Jota or or a Mo Salah? Hell no, I don't think so. Uh, Vertonghen the same. Vertonghen has the advantage of obviously. Uh, being experienced and, and 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 has a height advantage, but I just I just don't think these are they, they're going to struggle with with sort of the the, the sheer volume and, and and Liverpool quickness. Um, I, the, the other thing I'd also stress is if you look at that midfield again, Julian Weigel not the most effective sort of uh, defender and, and man marker on the whole by comparison to the quality that Liverpool usually play against. So when you think about that and and the the rest of the midfield don't always get involved. You've got often, you know, people like João Mario that don't track back, or Delta up is is too busy looking for the for, for the counter attack pass. Maite not sure what he's doing. So it's 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 those. A lot of the defending is very much that back four. 
Um, and given how Liverpool attack, it, Liverpool would score goals by, by sheer attrition at, at, at that point. Um, definitely exploit the, uh, the, the space and the pace Liverpool have, but I just expect Benfica to sit too far back to create that space. So I do think you're going to see a lot of football played in Benfica's half. Um, and that might frustrate Liverpool fans for, for until whatever point a uh, goal is scored. Interesting, interesting. I mean, just two more points I want to ask you and then I'll let you have the final say. First of all, I've got to go there. How does it feel as a Benfica supporter sort of cheering on or willing a player to succeed called Everton? <laughs> it's funny. I, 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 because the, the weirdest thing, um, I'm pretty sure it was about half a year ago that mm-hmm. the Everton were interested in Everton. I don't know how that was going to work, <laughs> but, but anyway. Uh, I'm Everton, thinking of the club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so for those who don't understand, Everton is a Brazilian winger who been who plays for Benfica. He's he's been it's it's not been very easy to cheer on him anyway because he's uh, he's been so inconsistent. He's one of those guys. You know, he gets in the ball, you start thinking this is the second coming of Angel Di Maria, and then it doesn't happen, and then you're, you're disappointed. Um, so it's, it's, it, it's a bit like that, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> it, look, I, I suppose in the strange way, Nina, it's, it's not in a, a, a dissimilar to cheering on Luis Diaz when he used to terrorize me in a blue shirt, but, yeah. but, uh, there, there's, there's so many examples. Of, um, probably the one I'm conflicted the most with is, uh, actually historically is Raul Mireles who mm-hmm. played decently for Liverpool, obviously played slightly better in Chelsea. I hated him at Chelsea. I hated him at Chelsea because mm-hmm. he reminded me of how he, I hated him in Porto and just became that absolute... Yeah, there's a word that I'm, I would use, but I'm very polite. You are very polite. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I feel you, I feel you. I mean... I guess my next question, Marco, is, mind you, though, on the flip side, I bet you were delighted when Diaz came to Liverpool because it's like one thorn at your side. Absolutely. just added a little bit of energy and a bit of class and pizzazz to the other team. You know, it, it works in your favour, my friend. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I think the next uh, the next and final thought, I mean, you've kind of alluded that, you know, Liverpool were naturally happy with this draw and I think a lot of Liverpool fans are and, I think them and Villarreal are probably seen as, you know, Liverpool have got the more favourable side of the draw, should we say. So, yeah. obviously, you are a Benfica Liverpool supporter. So, you know what? I'm going to ask you, what does your heart say and what does your head say? I'm more interested about the heart, by the way. <laughs> so, so if, if are you asking, I just want to ask, are you asking the prediction or what I want? Both. Go for it. Okay. What I want is I want these teams to I want them to do the redraw and someone else to play Benfica. Okay. Like <laughs> I don't know, maybe Villarreal would have been nice. But um, look, I I think you you, you heard this sort of dramatic um, uh, expose on, on on how things have happened for Benfica. Benfica are in a very very difficult state, and I'm I, I'm always a bigger picture person. Um, it's a bit like when uh, it's a bit like when, for example, someone looks at the success of Brendan Rodgers very close to winning the league, and then all of a sudden he's given a lot more control over transfers, and I'm one of the people who looks at it and says, I don't think this is a good idea, mm. because he didn't he didn't succeed winning transfers. He succeeded by doing other things that, that stayed away from that, and the quality of players that were brought in after sort of spoke a testament to that. My point is, when you look at a bigger picture situation, if Benfica 
beats Liverpool and gets to the semi-final. Does that now suddenly turn this shambolic season into a success? I think the answer has to be no, because a lot of things have to be addressed. And the, mm. the one thing I'm struggling with is this sort of idea that you almost, I'm not saying you want a team to lose, but you certainly don't want uh, success to get in the way of, of, of a problem that has to be, that has to be dealt with. So, and not to mention that, ironically, uh, this result has also put Darwin Nunes in, in an even bigger microscope. And where I thought Benfica might get away with one more season of him, I think it's almost guaranteed he leaves uh, and very likely to England because already uh, the, the Arsenal rumours looking quite strong. Uh, I think there's even a Liverpool rumour there somewhere, but I doubt it. So, if effectively, uh, my head and my heart are both sort of combining to say Benfica wins this, the the way it can be used against Benfica ironically is bad. And and that's why I like sort of I I, I conflict with that. Mm. Um which which sucks because then you know any Benfica fan listening to this is saying, okay, well you're clearly not a real Benfica. We're firing you from the Luckily none of us fine you say But but then look obviously on 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 the flip side of this look Liverpool, at the end of the day, let's let's also be very serious. Liverpool have a genuine opportunity to win this competition. Are they one of the few teams in left in the running that can beat Bayern? Absolutely, yes. Are they one of the few teams? Um, you you spoke about being on the other side of the draw. That's fantastic. Uh, even though I don't necessarily think Real Madrid is as good as people say, but I think what's interesting about the other side of the draw is more the fact that. Chelsea and Manchester City are going to beat themselves up a bit before they before mm. they face whoever makes the final. If Liverpool manages to beat Bayern after beating Benfica, obviously, and makes the final, then I think it's just it it, it puts a bit of shape on, on 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 sort of what is turning out to be. I know we're all like sort of joking. Oh, it's a quad. It could be a quad. Well, you never know. Like it really, you know. And I think that's that's the wonderful sort of evolution of how this team is, has 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 got to where it is. Um, I also think that it's just I'm not saying that that facing Bayern over two legs is is better than facing Manchester Manchester City over two legs per se, but I would think that you know you, you want to give yourself the opportunity to beat a team over 90 minutes, and I think that's probably a better way to try and sort of have to navigate Manchester City. Um, if, if that makes sense. That's why even like the, the FA Cup semi-final, which if I recall correctly is also only one game. Yeah. Um, also probably sort of suits Liverpool to, to a large extent. Um, because I think there's just a lot more big match temperament that Liverpool can bring to the table. So I think rationally it would make sense that Liverpool would be stronger. Um, it just hurts, Nina, because, you know, like the, the, the weirdest thing I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to end up watching with my dad and, um, my my dad my dad doesn't pull punches so when when like all all I hope is that there's no contra there's no controversial goals or yeah. someone doesn't get seriously injured or a clean that, day basically yeah exactly because because yeah. I I mean if, like if if someone said Marco would you take a no, actually no, I wouldn't I wouldn't I'm not gonna do that but <laughs> if, if 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 someone said to me you know like I, I I wouldn't want anyone to be embarrassed and wouldn't want any injuries or like serious impacts if that makes sense I do think. I, I would say rationally as well, last point, is Benfica going through is obviously um, a challenge in respect of sort of, do I think Benfica has a chance to win this competition? No, unfortunately I do not. Uh, I think it's just, it's just and, and Bayern absolutely 
uh, unfortunately embarrassed in the previous time, uh, I don't think they'd be able to beat Bayern over two legs. So, whereas obviously Liverpool do have a lot more capability to to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen you, I've seen the anguish there, and it it reminds <laughs> me, it reminds me on the flip side, and it is a flip side because I we literally watched the final between last season in the Champions League between two teams that we hate. Yes. You know, yes. and you were sat there and you were numb. Because even when Liverpool are in the Champions League final, there's one team that you probably would root for a little bit more than the other. You know, be it them being an underdog or, you know, there's one team that you hate more. But this one, it was just like, I can't stand you both. And I felt yeah. the same way when United played Chelsea in that final as yeah, well. Yeah, you reminded me Yeah. It's funny about that because, like, you always... There there's certain teams where I'm not saying I, I enjoyed losing to Milan in two oh seven, uh, obviously, but but in contrast contrast to two oh five, right? Two oh five, Istanbul, you you kind of look at it logically on paper, is like that's an insanely good Milan team. You wouldn't have necessarily begrudged them. And and I think a lot of those players were also inherently likable. There were a lot of legends in that team, Maldini, yeah. Nesta, etc. Mm. Mm. Uh Sadov as well. Whereas yeah, I mean I don't know. You, the the only team more unlikable than Chelsea and City is uh, is the other team that plays in uh, red um, in England. So, yeah. <laughs> and they're not in the in the competition. So. No, they're not. Which is yeah. wonderful, right? Yeah. And they're probably and 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 please Arsenal just sort yourself out, finish fourth, so that we don't uh, uh, because this this capitulation of United is really funny, and we we uh, Liverpool fans must please just milk it for what it's worth. <laughs> absolutely well you know what Marco I have absolutely loved our chat I have loved the education um, uh, you know I think it's definitely something that people would really really appreciate because a lot of us didn't know what was going on with Benfica and Steve Peets actually put in put in um, a, a question and he actually said what has been going on with Benfica because we keep drawing Porto what's been, and you've just kind of touched on that on, on what's been going on in the past five yeah. years and where they are and you know, it's good to know these things and, you know, I truly hope they do sort themselves out because, you know, they are, they are a massive football club. Do, do you know what I mean? They, they are, yeah, they're, they're historical and they're iconic and, you know, um, you don't, you don't like seeing great, you know, football establishments like Benfica to be suffering like that. So, you know, hopefully they get sorted and I think it's great that they've made it this far and, you know, um, and I hope this is where they stop now. <laughs> <laughs> Ex- accepted in the context and spirit, it's 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 said. Yeah. I I I will say one thing. I think also just you know, as Liverpool fans, we can also appreciate this. Is it's not you know if if what's interesting about the Premier League is you do have these other teams around Liverpool that have also become stronger. Um, I know we tease Spurs, but actually the way they've evolved since the 90s is incredible. Uh, the way that obviously Chelsea improved, unfortunately, is incredible. Um, Manchester City, okay, that's a bit of a different story. I'm not going to give them credit, but the <laughs> the point is, you know, we can all appreciate sort of uh, uh, someone getting by the getting there by default because we shot ourselves in the foot. It's the exact same thing with Benfica, um, and and that's that's the worst way to to drop. You you don't want to drop because you couldn't be as good as you were. You want to drop because someone else is better. If that makes sense. So mm-hmm. th- this, this just, that's why it hurts because you kind of look and you think, but these are just so many dumb, stupid mistakes why they're making them. So yeah, I, I share your hope and optimism for the future. 
Oh, Marco, thank you so much. Um, and listeners, um, if you've heard earlier in the in the pod, um, the Benfica podcast is a must listen to. So you know, get on that a little plug. And Marco, if people want to follow you, and they should follow you because you're awesome. And we appreciate the insight and I love the education as well. I'm sure all the listeners do as well. Marco, where can people find you on social media? They can find me on at footyml uh, on Twitter. Uh, they must just uh, sort of brace, brace for, um, yeah, I'm usually obnoxious. And He's not. He's not. <laughs> I'm shaking my head. <laughs> but yeah, no, they can, they can follow me on Twitter for now. Um, and then, of course, uh, doing more of these, luckily, with all the Anfield Index uh, colleagues, which is great. And can we just say the content has just been so enriched with having you back on. It just feels like the good old days. Hey, you know what? I've got a throwback for you. All the old school <laughs> listeners, Marco used to host the, the Europa League pod. Do you remember? I did. I did. Yeah. This it, it, it was one of my parting gifts. Um, yeah. I still, uh, it's, it's very funny, I still... Um, uh, so, sort of show a few people all the old episodes. Uh, I presided over the Europa League final against Sevilla. I think that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yep, yep, um, still, 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 sort of fondish memories of that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, uh, it, 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 it was always, it was always cool because what, what, uh, what you end up doing is in, inherently um, forces you to sort of speak to fans of other random clubs and when i say random i'm not saying that that is a flippant statement but just how many fans of ruben kazan would you know mm. i managed to track one down it was incredible uh, proper education professional professional people <laughs> just because parts were excellent i i had the honor of being on the man united one because i played in the europa league and yes. i just I, the, the format and the setup was absolutely brilliant you know marco is as good as a host as he is a panelist just so you know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Take care. Um, enjoy the international break. And um, till next time, up the Reds. Up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.